Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning, TC family. Uh, my name is uh, Brad Larson, and I'm the Argyle campus pastor, and I don't get to be here a lot on Sundays these days, and so I'm super happy to be here with you this morning. Um, we have an Argyle campus. I don't know if you know that, but uh, by God's grace, it's going well, and, and I get to help shepherd that. So uh, we'll be in Psalm 19 this morning. You can go ahead and turn there if, if you um, brought your Bible. Go ahead and go there. If you didn't, there's a Bible underneath the seat somewhere in front of you. Psalm 19 is where we'll be. Um, and Happy New Year, by the way. Um, y'all are pretty faithful to be here at this hour with this temperature. It was one, I think the wind chill was in Argyle. So uh, it's pretty nuts. But um, a lot of you have made resolutions, New Year's resolutions. Maybe you did. Uh, maybe you didn't. And uh, how, how are those going? It's uh, January 2nd. You, you should be nailing it. But, but you know... As we think about New Year's resolutions, as I was thinking about this text and, and what the Lord lays out for us, I, I actually just want to kind of liberate you from your New Year's resolutions. Um, statistics would show that you're not going to keep them anyway. Uh, 80% of us don't keep them, studies have shown, and um, we just don't. Uh, and there's really, there's a few reasons for that. Um, one is we don't even know what we want. So I may say I want to, you know, lose 15 pounds or do this or do that. And maybe, maybe I really just want affirmation from my spouse or, or from my friends. And so I, I aim at the wrong target. You aim at the wrong target. We do this. And we also just don't control our lives. You know, if, if you've made a resolution to do something um, financially, well, maybe you lose your job or maybe you get sick. And we, we can't, we, we set these things, but, but, but it's not our plan that's happening, it's God's plan. And so we can't control our lives, and that makes resolutions tough. But even more than that, we can't change ourselves. Self-help is a misnomer. It doesn't exist. To, to look inward and to see what's wrong with me and just decide, I'm going to tweak that, it doesn't work, and you know it. And so I, I want to offer something better to you this morning. On this second day of 2022, I want to offer something better than a resolution that you cooked up. And that is to change the pattern, the rhythms of your life. To be from self-word, what is wrong with me? How do I optimize me to being God-word? And to change the orientation of the way that you live your life. These are, are rhythms that we can enact. And there's three of them. The first one will be to, to retreat. The second one will be to reset. And the third one will be to reorient. And I'll, I'll explain what that means. I just, in case you're a note taker, that's, that's what's going to happen. So our, our text today is Psalm 19. This is a, a, a poem written by a guy named David. Uh, David was a king, was a wise man, knew a lot of stuff, wrote a lot of, of poetry in the Bible. C.S. Lewis said this is his favorite poem in the Psalms. It's, it's a, a beautiful text. So let's read it. 
Psalm 19 says this, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and, like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Would you pray with me? Lord, we, um, we come before you acknowledging that your word is perfect, clean, true, and that it is living and active, not only profitable for us, helpful for us, but necessary for us. So Lord, as we look at this new year which unfolds before us, May we turn Godward. May we turn to you and, 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 and the rhythms of our life, may they be oriented toward you. So speak through your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, verses one through six really say that the, the eloquent heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. John Calvin said that, that, that creation is the grand theater of God, that God is displaying his glory, his greatness in nature. He's doing that this morning through the frigid cold. And as I was driving in, there was this weird looking sky where it was like this clear sky and then there's just bank of of clouds and it looked like a mountain. He's, he's constantly, he's declaring and announcing his glory in nature. There's over 10,000 species of ants. I mean, there's just, there's so much that if you just pay attention, you can see the glory of God in nature. And particularly, it's talking about the skies. So have you ever looked at a sunset and felt like it was personal? Have you ever been on vacation or maybe in your backyard and you look up and there is this explosion of color 
and it feels like it's just for you. Well, it is. God is declaring his glory to you, and it sounds like, like maybe human arrogance of like, wait, all of that is for me? Yes, God is mindful of you. He's mindful that you would see his glory as he declares it in the skies. We see his power in a thunderstorm. Have you ever been in a hailstorm? It's terrifying. We were in a hailstorm years ago, and, and I know this is ridiculous, but we, we took cover underneath the stairs because it was so loud, just roaring ice balls down on the ground. We see God's power. We see his creativity in the colors of a sunset. He, he didn't get his colors from, from Hobby Lobby, but from the heavenly storehouse, and, and he paints this, this beautiful creation for us to see and to behold. We see his vastness in the stars. If you look up, you just see there's so much more that God has made. There's so much more to him that we just cannot even search to the bottom of. And, and so he's, the, the heavens declare his glory, the sky above his handiwork. And verse 2 says that day to day pours out speech. God is speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. There's a rhythm of this revelation of his glory. It's not set it and forget it, but he's showing us over and over and over again. This is what I'm like. Verse 3 really tells us that these words that God is speaking without words, no one is deaf to these words. No one is deaf to God's glory in creation. His glory permeates every square inch of this planet. In verse 4, it says that, that his voice, this declaration, goes out through all of the earth, all of the corners of the world. So the, the, the tribes person in Africa, the fishermen in, in the Philippines, the banker in London, whatever, we're all seeing the glory of God. He's revealing it to us over and over. John Muir, who was a, a famous Scottish-American naturalist, he was a guy who explored nature, he once said this, Oh, these vast, calm, measureless mountain days, days in whose light everything seems equally divine, opening a thousand windows to show us God. Muir worshipped in nature. He saw the glory of God in nature. And so we don't just look to nature, but we look to the creator behind it, and we see his glory. This is called general revelation. God generally reveals his glory to everyone, regardless of what you believe, you know this is true. You see this. You see this glory. And general revelation is, is important and infallible, and it makes us worship. But we, we need more than just general revelation to understand who God is. Helen Keller, who was blind and deaf, once said, I always knew there was a God, I just didn't know his name. So we need more than general revelation, but general revelation leaves us to be without excuse because God has shown himself to us. So Romans 1, it'll be on the screen, says what can be made known about God is plain to them, plain to us, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the beginning of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. 
So we are without excuse. Even Helen Keller knows there, there's a God. We just got to know his name. God has not been silent to you. He's not. He's speaking to you. He's revealing his glory over and over in nature, in this frigid, cold weather. And so given that, our first, our first rhythm to consider this year would be to retreat, to get away at some point, whatever that looks like for you and for your budget and, and all of that, but to, to get away from this current environment and get into an environment where you can behold the glory of God. And I'm not talking about self-care. I'm not talking about us retreating from this life and pretending like it doesn't exist, but, but to something. A Godward retreat, going wherever that is for you, even if it's just down the street to a park, to stop and behold the glory of God. To retreat. In the Gospel of, of Luke, we see Jesus retreats to the mountains to pray, to, to, to break that rhythm and to go and to pray to his Father, to commune with him. And so we can do the same, but don't expect, don't expect a vacation to give you what only God can give you. And if you come back disappointed from vacations, you build this up, this big trip, and, and you finally go and you're like, this is not quite as good as what I thought it would be. Maybe somebody gets sick. Maybe you have a flat tire. Whatever it may be, you're aiming at the wrong thing. To retreat and to behold the glory of God, it doesn't matter what happens. You can bow before him and receive the joy that he gives you as you make time to encounter his glory. And so verses 1 through 6 really, really show us God's glory in creation, but verses 7 through 11 are going to point us to God's law, his, his perfect word. So we have general revelation in nature, and, and now there's going to be more specific revelation to us. We see that, that, that there is more needed than just a beautiful sunset for us to have a relationship with God. Just because you see God's glory in nature does not mean he's your father. So we need to see more than that. Hebrews 1 says this, it'll be on the screen. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And so that, that name that Helen Keller did not know, we're, we're looking to, to behold and to see the person and work of Jesus. Not just sunsets, but, but the sun. And to be forgiven, to be saved, we need a saving knowledge of him. What, what did he do? Who was he? So we, we behold him in the word of God. We see what the Bible tells us about Jesus. And therefore, as Christ beholders, Jesus being the, the only way to salvation, the, the lifeblood that we so badly need. We, we need to, second rhythm, reset. We need to reset ourselves. And if, if retreating is more of a yearly-ish thing, we need a weekly reset to behold Jesus, 
to come before Jesus. And there's really two things to to consider here. One is to Sabbath, the fourth commandment. God says to, to work six days and then stop. And not just do nothing, but to behold him, to worship, to spend time with him, to be still before him. And and Jesus said, don't get all persnickety about the Sabbath, about your weekly reset of rest. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Come to me on the Sabbath. Enjoy me on the Sabbath. And the second thing, and you might be thinking, Brad, this is the most basic stuff ever. It is. These rhythms are are time-tested biblical, battle-tested principles, rhythms of life that turn us Godward. And so the second one is church is gathering together. You might say, well, of course you'd say that. You're a pastor. We're supposed to come to church, right? No, no, no. We get to gather. It's crucial for our souls. I'm telling you, I've seen through the last two years what quarantine and separation does to people. It spiritually cripples people when we are not worshiping God together. So we need to be with our church family, agreeing on Christ, gathering. Our faith is personal, but it's also a community project. I need you. You need each other. So while, while, while God's word, it, it forms us. It forms us. It shapes us because he declares Christ in his word. And so we reset to that rhythm. And verse 7 says that, that God's law, we're just going to look at, at what David says about God's word now. He says that it's perfect. Perfect. You don't need version 2.0 of the Bible for 2022. Maybe you've heard People say, you you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. God's word is never on the wrong side of history. He's the one who writes history. And so we don't need an updated version, but his, his law, his word, it is perfect, without flaw, without error. Doesn't need revision. It says that it revives the soul. What does that mean, that God's word revives our soul? Well, what what originates life in man? I just read Genesis 1 this morning on the McShane plan, by the way. And I'm more excited about the McShane plan than I looked on that video. I I don't, didn't come across, didn't translate. Um, Genesis 1, God breathes life into man. His breath is what animates us. His word is is God breathed. 2 Timothy 3 says this. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So if God's word is God-breathed, we can inhale the life-giving word of God. Just like fish need to be in water, the, the, the optimal place for flourishing for a Christ follower is in God's word. We can be refreshed. We can be even revived. Verse 8 says that God's word rejoices our heart. The Bible can make you happier. True. As you see God's perfect righteousness, as you behold his promises, 
as you consider what Christ has accomplished and what, what is given for you, it can literally make you happier. It can rejoice your heart. Verse 9, I love this phrasing, the fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is clean. You come before God and His Word, and it will strike fear in you. It will. Because God's Word exposes us. His cleanliness exposes me as I come before Him. In Second Chronicles, King Josiah, um, it should be on the screen hopefully, um, says this, King Josiah is the king who this is talking about. Shaphan the secretary said to the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it from before the king. And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. The fear of the Lord is clean. The Bible exposes us. It sees through us when we come before a clean God I'm convicted. Convicted. And that's a good thing. It's clean to see myself clearly, to see yourself clearly. Verse 10 says that God's word is better than, than all treasure, sweeter than honey. It's better than money. It's better than anything. This is the greatest treasure that the world has ever seen. Ever. Ever. In, in, in the movie, The Book of Eli, um, there's a nuclear apocalypse, and this guy who's Denzel, uh, who's always good, um, he's going through the world, and all these bad guys are after him because he has this treasure. He has this thing. We learn that it's the Bible. And so he's sitting in this silo beneath a fire by his, his compadre named Solara, and she sees him just devouring this book. And she looks over at him. She says, do you read that book every day? And he looks at her just dead serious. He says, without fail. Because the bad guys know in the book of Eli the power of the book. Satan knows the power of the book. Satan quotes scripture also. But there is preciousness and power in this book. There's probably 500 Bibles in this room. Do you realize the treasure of God's Word that you have, that I have? By the way, if you don't own a Bible, take one of the ones underneath the seat in front of you. Take treasure with you. God's Word is breathed out Word. Verse 11, God warns us in his word. I am bent toward destruction. If God removes his hand from me, I'll just implode. I'm not kidding. This is the truth about you as well. If God removes his hand from you and gives you over to your desires, good luck. But he warns us because he loves us as a loving father. So we see in like 1 Peter 5, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, roars around like a lion seeking someone to destroy. He warns you. He says, there's an enemy who's after you. Romans 6 says, the wages of sin is death. So for those of us that just go through life kind of petting our sin, 
afraid to repent, afraid to confess. He says the wages of sin, it's, it's death. Take it seriously. Be killing sin or it be killing you. That's what John Owen said. Proverbs 14 says there's a way that seems right to man, but its end leads to death. That's why New Year's resolutions don't make a lot of sense. We need the guidance of God in our lives. And so he warns us because he loves us. And therefore, third thing, third rhythm, we need to reorient. Because our, our souls can give way to sadness and sorrow over time as we're worn down by our sin and by this broken world. And we need to be recalibrated and recalibrated and recalibrated. Our souls give way to death when we're hopeless. We need that hope of Revelation 21 where God says someday, listen, maybe you need to hear this. No more pain. No more tears. God will wipe every tear. No more suffering. No more sin. We need to hear that. Let that wash over us when we're giving way to sin. When we're casual about it, we need to hear the consequences that the wages of sin is death. And when our sins drown us in guilt, I don't know if you've ever been there, just despondent at yourself, God lifts our gaze because grace is for the broken people. It's for the jacked up sinner. It's for the person drowning in the guilt of what they have done. And so it lifts your gaze Godward, not just self-loathing and inward, but Godward. Psalm 119, uh, verse 147, I had this pinned above my desk at my house. It says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. I rise before dawn, I cry for help. The reason I have that pinned up there is because I go to that desk in the morning to read my Bible, not because I should, but because I have to. I'm a desperate person. You are a desperate person. I hear people say all the time, you ask them, hey, how you doing? How you doing? And maybe because I'm a pastor, they think they should answer that spiritually, but... You know, they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm not, I'm not in God's word like I should be. I'm like, no. Should is not the right word. It's not a workout program. It's not your new diet. God's word is our, our lifeblood. If you are a Christ follower, if you are here and you have put your faith in Christ, it's not that you should read your Bible but you're suffocating without the God-breathed word. I'm suffocating without it. And so I rise before dawn and I cry for help and I'm like, God, recalibrate me. Because on my own, I'm off. Calibrated towards sin. Calibrated toward despair. I need the word of God. It is perfect. It is clean. And it'll expose you as we've discussed Verse 12 says, who can discern his errors? 
Who can see themselves clearly in this room? Who can discern their secret sins and even the unintentional sins that the Bible talks about? Who can see themselves clearly? And then verse 13, there's presumptuous sins. You can't see yourself clearly on on the sins that you commit almost by accident. I say almost. But there's presumptuous sins, things that we do that we know are an offense to God. We do it anyway. David, the guy who wrote this, he knew all about this. David was a king, and, and one day his army's off to war. He's chilling on his couch, first red flag. He sees a beautiful woman bathing. He, he gets her to come to him. He commits adultery with her. He has her husband murdered. Presumptuous sin, bold sin. David comes to the point of conviction where he knows he needs forgiveness. Verse 12, he says, declare me innocent. Verse 13, he says, then I shall be blameless. Forgive me, God. Help me, God. I'm crying out to you. You've seen through to who I am. And and, and look at this. David is rejoicing over the word of God, and he's a lawbreaker. Does that strike you as odd? He is desperate for God. You are desperate desperate for God. I am desperate for God. There is no other name by which we can be saved but Jesus. There is no other way. He is all that we need. All that we long for. All that your heart is truly setting a resolution for. Jesus is the point. And we have a desperate need for him. And he's come and he offers himself fully to you. Not counting your sins against you, but dying for them. Receive him by faith. Reorient to him. So we plead Christ. We come before holy and righteous God and his word shows us who we are. We plead Christ. I want to be measured by his righteousness, not mine. All that power that created this weather, all that power that created all of you, all all the, the power that I have seen God bring to bear on creation, I want that to be for my benefit, not for my punishment. So God says, I will come and take that punishment. That's Jesus. Would you look at verse 14 with me? In a few moments, when I get done preaching, I'm going to go sit over there and I'm going to pray this verse. I pray this verse every time I get done preaching. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's heavy to hold this word, to proclaim it. But this this verse is not just for preachers. It's not just for spiritual leaders or pastors. It's for you. Let the words of your mouth, let your life be acceptable to God. And it can through Christ. You realize that because of what Jesus has done, you can be not just accepted, but adored by God. 
a son, a daughter, beloved, cherished, the apple of his eye. That that sunset, it's for you, but Jesus on the cross is for you. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins, just because Jesus took that punishment and to cleanse us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we don't have a resolution problem. You don't have a, a, a life little tweak that you need to make, but we have an orientation of our heart problem. We have a sin problem, and God came to deal with it. And so my prayer for, for us, TDC family, would be that we would be spiritually desperate for Christ this year. That the rhythms of our life would, would point us toward communing with him to retreat and to reset and to reorient and to reorient and to reorient because we have a hope that is brighter than a sunset, more beautiful than anything you can observe. So may we be desperate for him. May we be joyfully dependent. So would you respond to this this morning? As we sing together, would you consider the orientation of your heart and the rhythms of your life? May they be Godward. Would you pray with me? Lord, we, we don't know what a new year brings. We, we come here by your sovereign hand to hear your word and we release the plans that we have to you, the resolutions we have to you. Knowing that you are sovereign, you are for us, you care. So reorient us today. Reorient our hearts. Reorient our desires. Change what we're aiming at. Thank you for your word, the treasure of your scripture. May we be desperate for it because we are desperate for you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts can be acceptable through faith in you. So now as we sing, Holy Spirit, would you do a work in us? Would you point us to Christ? In his name I pray.